Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's Big Foot Collectors Club with Bryce, Michael, and Ivy. I know a story of high strangeness or two. <laughs> Let's do this. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. To Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. Riley, you have such a smile on your face. It's as if this was the first time you've ever done the show with us. And I don't know. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I'm on Bigfoot Collectors Club. I was like, He's a big fan. <laughs> I can't. It was, really, it was, it was just the, uh, the jazz hands that Bryce did, as he said, Bryce Johnson, that really <laughs> <Okay>. got me. <laughs> got it. Good. Yeah. yeah. As they should. Bryce, are you in a jazzy mood today? Yeah, I'm in my son's bedroom. He's. Uh, I've been kicked out of my <laughs> office because... He's doing a uh, building a Fortnite science project with a few of his buddies. And he's like, oh, dad, please, God, please, just a half hour more. And I was like, fine. What I'll, is a uh, fort? I don't want to I don't yeah. want to keep yeah. our guests waiting too long. But what is a Fortnite yeah. science project? I don't, he's got to like build something with his buddies in creative mode or something. I don't know. It sounds fun. It oh, sounds like they're having okay. a blast. So, they're uh, world building. That's awesome. Yeah, the world building, also, man, you know? Sounds like something that might crash uh, Zencaster. It'll be fun. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's Wait. all part of podcasting. <laughs> Bryce, I just saw the video. You are in the lower bunk of the bunk bed slash yeah. desk of yes. your sons. Okay. Yeah, this I got is... all kinds of cool toys around me, too. So that, that'll be fun. Here's Morpheus. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna have a good time. Every good kid's favorite son. action figure, Morpheus, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne from a movie from thirty years ago. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, let's jump right to it. This week's guest is a podcast producer turned through hiker. Please give a warm Club Scout salute to host of the through and star host star. It's kind of hard to say here. You do you do both. You star in it and you are host of the through podcast or just through from Q Code Media, Cody Hoffmichael. Welcome to the show. Woo! How are you? Thanks, y'all. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, we're so here. happy you're here. It's very rare that we are actually speaking to someone who spends as much time in the wilderness as as you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of time out there, I guess. Um, doesn't always feel like it being back in real life for a while, but... Uh, 
Yeah, I've I've I haven't seen Bigfoot yet, but um, <laughs> I may have spent some time in the wilderness. But I'm also uh, a chronic skeptic, so I've been great nervous uh, to say the least. Uh, but I, I hear you welcome skeptics. So yes, yes, of course, exactly. Good. Here for sure. And then yeah. we put them to the stakes. Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we let our audience judge them. Uh, no, this is this is great. So before we get started, let's just talk a little bit about the show and. This introduced a term that's new to me, maybe not new to the other boys, but Cody, what is through hiking? Yeah, through hiking as a loose definition is just walking any trail from end to end. Um, And in my case, I went on the Pacific Crest Trail. It starts at the border of Mexico and California, and it runs 2,650 miles to the border of Washington and Canada. So through hiking, the Pacific Crest Trail would be hiking from end to end uh, on the PCT. But, Gosh. you know, there are there are shorter trails uh, that you can through-hike. So there are 200-mile trails, and if you do the whole 200-mile trail, that's a through-hike. So it's as opposed to a loop or an out-and-back, you're starting at the beginning, ending at the end. And then at the end, it. you're hopping on a plane or someone hopefully is there to meet you to take you back to wherever you yeah, want to go. Yeah, do you have to hike back? Yeah. <laughs> That's called a yo-yo. And people, people have done that uh, before, wow. which is, oh, Whoa. yeah. Uh, people have done that. I did not. Um, I took an airplane. Um, but, yeah, people take trains, <laughs> the best planes, airplane cars. ride yeah. of your life, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. You're like, We're the so worst. I'm five months from the parking lot, uh, it's time to start maybe turning back around. <laughs> yeah, get back to the car. Absolutely. I have so many questions. One, it's sort of a stupid, obvious one. This is Bigfoot Collectors Club. What did your feet look like at the end of that trek? Oh man! I, by the end, they were pretty calloused, and I stopped getting blisters. Uh, cool. But you know, they so they didn't look so bad at the end. But at the beginning, they they were pretty bad. Uh, just like multiple layer blisters on my heel, like quarter Oof. size that sort of form rings, and you get like a blister on your blister. So that's Whoa. fun. Whoa. Um, and like my worst fear was having um, like a toenail fall off. Like that just that was one of the things I was most scared of. And I, I can't just cause close. it's gross or because it's just, I don't like, na- I don't like nail stuff. Yeah. I don't like nail yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah, anything yeah. with nails just freaks me out. So, um, they, they were gnarly. Um, they, they felt worse than they looked for sure. But uh-huh. yeah, blister. Did they, did they get to the feet themselves? Like, did you lift them up and they had like a fucking eight pack on the sole of your foot after you were done? <laughs> just like the most shredded you've ever foot seen abs. your feet. I, yeah, if if you know if feet could have six packs, mine would have them. I hope. Uh, I think one thing I can say: I, I got strong dogs. Uh, <laughs> Man, I mean, we're talking about a, a long hike. How long did it take you, Cody, to start get from Mexico to Canada? Five months. I was out there for, for five months. Um, Dang. And yeah, it's it's a lot of you know it's eight, nine, ten hours every day. You try to cover somewhere around twenty miles a day. Whoa. Wow. Wow. And you started in what April of 2022 and April, tw- April 23rd, 2022. Okay. And I don't want to, uh, you're here. So I'm assuming everything went well, but yes. we don't have to spoil <laughs> no the spoilers. podcast. <laughs> you know be the mean? spirit of Cody. We never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe he died sure. along the way. 
some woodland <laughs> some woodland doppelganger came out you know a cody went in doppelganger and, ai's yeah. come a long way there's a you that's know, true uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. ai kind of get you know the singularity began to happen when you were in the woods so i'm not sure we can trust you now there's Gosh. a podcast right there <laughs> oh who came back from who's yeah. oh man yeah who came back from so, that no, trip I, Cody, what causes a person to walk that many miles for that long? Quarter life crisis, existential mm. dread of, you know, finding ones. For me, it was a combination of, of many things. But, uh, you know, I remember I had I, I, I had just gotten sober. I had upended my life. I was living in Dallas um, for like the first nine years of my adult life. Got sober, got out of a relationship, moved back in with my parents. And sort of my life as I knew it was upended and over and um i didn't you know didn't have a ton of responsibility at the time newly single and i was able to make it work with my job being a podcast producer making an original show out of it so all those things sort of lined up and it was sort of for me a lot of people see it as a way to get away from the world or society for me it was definitely a re-entry after mm. you know isolation um that comes with the things I struggled with and then starting recovery, getting better, getting healthier. Okay. Now I'm ready to like go back into the world, find community friends, be like a human being again. Yeah. It seems and paradoxical because I mean, you know, you would think that to enter back into society and be around people, you wouldn't like go hiking alone on a trail, but, but the opposite is sort of true, right? Like you found community out there. Absolutely. It's, it's, I think maybe like a misunderstanding or misconception, if you will, is that it's a solo endeavor and it can certainly be that, but the Pacific Crest Trail is crowded and it's crowded with a lot of amazing, really cool people. And it's, a, it's certainly a social adventure as much as anything you make, you make deep, deep friendships really, really fast. And there's a great, great community out there. So t tell us about the Pacific Coast Trail for those of us who don't know what... Rest. Sorry, Pacific Crest Trail. I'm thinking of the Pacific Coast Highway. That's the totally. only <laughs> only that's time the I've one ever we travel with. Yeah, that's the one I go. Yeah. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. The, yeah. Thank thank you. The Pacific Crest Trail. Where is it cutting through? Generally speaking, like what big landmarks or cities are you going near? What la like uh, uh, natural landscapes are you going through? Sure. It starts at the border of Mexico and California outside of a town called Campo. So it's about an hour southeast of San Diego. And from there, it, it goes north um, parallel to the Anza Borrego Desert. And mm -hmm. around, Los uh, yep, around Los Angeles, it starts to take a westward turn for a couple hundred miles. So it runs under I-10 or the 10, as I've learned to say now that I uh, live mm -hmm. in L.A. It's not I-10. Oh, okay. That's no, in no, Texas. No. In yeah. LA, it's the 10. So <laughs> yeah. it, it crosses right. under the 10, goes through the Angeles National Forest. Um, sort of when you get to a little bit north of LA, it takes the aqueduct. And from there, you go into the Sierra Nevada Mountains yeah. for 400 miles or so. You Whoa. end up, you go through Kings Canyon National Park. You do part of Yosemite. Um then you kind of end the Sierra section around Lake Tahoe. From Lake Tahoe, you do Northern California. And it's like Northern, Cal Northern maybe the Eastern part of California, right? Because you're going north of Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. um, and then you cross into Oregon. You go through Crater Lake. 
and wow. then into Washington to the North Cascades. So the five main sections are the SoCal Desert, the Sierra Nevada, Northern California, Oregon, and Washington. So Amazing. these are all I mean, First of all, that is fucking wild. Also, this is so exciting for listeners of our show and for us because those are like prime Bigfoot territory. Even the Borrego Desert is home of the Borrego Sandman. Like people think that they've seen uh, uh, Sasquatch out there. So we know you're desert a skeptic. Squatch, yeah, yeah, the Desert Squatch. Let's just get into it. We ask all our all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history, if any? And also, I'm curious, did any of these areas that you hiked on come with any legendary cryptids that people were talking about or that you witnessed folklore being active in the community? Sure. Uh, my personal experience with the paranormal has been in trying to explain it with the laws of physics and okay. <laughs> science and our own, uh, mind, you know, Great. uh, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, our own, um, complex and little understood, uh, neurophysiology and what it's capable mm -hmm. of. Great. We're um, all about that. So that, 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 that sounds to me like maybe you have had something weird that you're like, Oh, it could have been this or it could have been that. You know, I've had sleep paralysis. <laughs> Me too. Um, okay. I, I, I just actually, you know, I was telling my girlfriend that I was going on this podcast and she was, she was like, do you know about my ghost story? And she told mm. it to me, about being, you know, it was about being in a, a hotel in Seattle that was like supposed to be haunted. And she um, woke up unable to move with someone sitting on her chest and then had like five out of place ribs in the morning. And oh, I was weird. like, and she was Whoa. like, you know, isn't that weird? And I was like, it's sleep paralysis. And she's like, how do you explain the ribs? And I was like, you're, you tensed up, you moved in a weird way. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's how I am with the paranormal. I'm really or a, uh, or a succubus was crushing uh, them uh, ribs, uh, Cody. Uh, heavy ass succubus <laughs> sounds like it to me. Yeah. So, um, so the Bigfoot is all over the PCT. It's like every Great. town you go, every town you go to <laughs> is like their claim is Bigfoot. I'm going to show you. Uh, oh, this I makes took, me so I, happy. I took this uh, guitar on the PCT, and uh, my Big Bear Lake sticker is Bigfoot. <laughs> right oh, here gorgeous yeah. so uh, we gotta get a carbon photo. fiber is that a yeah, carbon so. fiber guitar yeah that's it is. so cool yeah yeah oh, that was my amazing i took it the whole way as my like favorite piece of gear that's um, so cool but so we gotta get a it, photo of that for the instagram and put it put sure. it up see all your yeah. stickers so like you said like they claim them in the anza borrego they claim them i guess in big bear lake in every region i went to they claim bigfoot so it's like which one is he in <laughs> uh okay he's just traveling the west coast up and down like does he hike the pct um <laughs> i will say the the best legend i heard was a bigfoot legend Great. um there was this guy i don't remember his name i maybe saw him like three or four times he was this hiker that would some he would sometimes <laughs> kept popping up <laughs> no it was just uh, i some of my friends kind of like knew his knew who he was and and i just never really had an encounter with a dude but Okay. He would like sometimes be hiking barefoot uh, and like Whoa. shirtless and like really, really slow. And um, he would just pop up from time to time. But we were going through this area. I think it was in Northern California where there are um, lava caves because you start to get into like oh, yeah. volca volcanic territory up Whoa. there. So really all of the Cascade Range is is volcanic 
mountains. So actually, I think we were, we were in somewhere in Oregon, Washington area. And I remember my friends being like, yeah, this, this guy, the one that you've seen barefoot and shirtless, he knows about Bigfoot. And he says that Bigfoot uses the caves, the lava caves to travel. Right. Oh. Yeah. That was his claim to fame. And I was like, you know, something about this guy makes him not seem like a primary source. Like <laughs> the, bare, the barefoot, shirtless, slow yeah. hiking is not establishing credibility I mean, for you. And so far, you haven't described a person that couldn't, that might not be Bigfoot himself. You know what I mean? That, like that's what I was. Thinking. There might be like, a one to one here. No, I was like, dude, you're in the caves. Like you're the- <laughs> you are Bigfoot. You're Have you ever seen that guy. movie, uh, The Dark Divide, with David Cross, based no. on that uh, that biologist who who also walked the the PCT? He wrote a book about Bigfoot. He got a Guggenheim grant to study uh, the legendary cre- creature and its sociological effects. But he had an encounter up at the lava tubes that he thought might have been uh, a Bigfoot. And this is, I mean, this this guy is a. Uh, uh, a PhD and uh, I thought I had it stuff. on my shelf. I didn't. I, that's where I went. Sorry. I was looking oh. for the the. Guy that's the book well, I but, got um, you for for Christmas a couple years ago. Yeah, I yeah. That. I actually ended up interviewing the uh, God. The the name is escaping me. Who David Cross's character is based on? Um, he's a he's a guy who studies butterflies and all that stuff. But uh, he had some pretty incredible stories. And is it uh, is he yeah. playing Robert Michael Pyle in that? That's Where it. Bigfoot that's walks? it. Bob okay. Pyle. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly. That's what right. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I do have that book um, on my shelf. All right. Sorry. Different very book. interesting. Yeah. Wild stuff. So, what's the verdict? Like, what was his encounter like? I mean, well, you know, it, funny enough, like, so he had some pretty strange encounters that he couldn't explain. No actual visual sightings um, until, but when he came on my show, Expedition Bigfoot, I actually got to sit down and interview him. And as a biologist, he had absolutely no problem uh, with that type of terrain and environment housing a creature like that. And, uh, and, and, and anyway, he actually revealed on our show that uh, a few years ago, uh, he went back up that direction and was in Oregon, and he actually was uh, driving along one of these uh, small logging roads where he actually saw uh, what he believed to be the creature. And as I mean, he's kind of putting his neck out on the line. I mean, he's a he's a published biologist and and doctor, a fellow, and so you know it was it was a lot for him to come out and say, "Man, mm-hmm. I've had some experiences. I think I've seen some stuff, and I'm and I'm putting my neck out on the line here." But uh, yeah, he also said his experience, uh, one of his big experiences, if you ever watch the movie The Dark Divide, and I, I highly recommend it, it's really great. He has an experience in, in one of those lava tubes that you were talking about. I just pictured like I pictured like a, a tube slide, like a water slide, you know, <laughs> but it's full of lava. <laughs> right. See, Bigfoot's amazing. in little neon shorts doing, oh, the, doing the slide. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll say two things to that. I'll say that uh if Bigfoot Collectors Club wants to take the next leap and send someone out to live at the lava lava tubes for you know a summer. I'm your guy. Uh, I'll oh, go out there as a scout. You just got our first field reporter. Yeah, yeah. I'm here for it, man. I'll take my little handheld recorder. I'll take so much equipment. We can't blame equipment failure. And I'll take my Cody. Be careful what you offer because we are you know we're looking to expand the team. So this is how a lot. 
lot of, of uh, the shit that I get myself into happens is me just like riffing in one of these meetings. Uh, I will also say that this is one of my fears of coming on the show. I was like, they're going to convince me of they're going to like, they're yes. going to, they're going to ch- I'm so impressionable while I may be skeptical. That's um, all I can do is just lead I'm, you to water. You know, and it, yeah. and it happened so fast. You were like, well, this, this PhD was out there and now I'm reading about it. I'm like, great. Now I like, kind of maybe well, believe in Bigfoot. So, so here's the thing. Like, I think you touched upon something earlier when we were talking about it, when you were like, where was he? I mean, the thing that we struggle with, and obviously we don't know, we, 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 we prescribe to nobody knows anybody mm-hmm. who tells you what they, they know for sure. Don't talk to them. You know what I mean? So we're, a, we're into the stories and B we are open to, there does seem to be some type of weird phenomena happening, whether that is something that the human brain is producing that science just hasn't been able to explain yet, or there is not just one, but a, let's say endangered or small species, you know, small populated species of some type of undiscovered primate who's very smart, who knows how to avoid human contact, does not want human contact, that's roaming out there, which is why, and and might migrate during the year, which is why people see them, not just him, across as far down south as, as Florida, okay? Then we have the third thing, which is this might actually be some type of paranormal or interdimensional, something that is beyond again beyond our reach of scientific explanation but maybe in 100 200 300 years they'll be like oh yeah things uh there are multiple planes of reality overlapping at all times and sometimes we can see into or something can cross over from that now that's a very wild idea for a lot of people but when you hear these stories that we've heard and brian and bryce has uh witnessed at times firsthand it makes me think that something is happening out in those woods. And I want to know, have you ever had an experience when you, during this? I mean, how many days were you out, out on the trail? Five months? What is that? Five months. To? So did you ever have anything happen where you're like, what the fuck is that sound? Or I feel like I'm being watched right now. Uh, you know, when it did, the, the, the one that comes to mind is actually, it was on the PCT, but it was in 2021. Um, so it was before I went on a through hike, I went on a long car camping road trip and it was, uh, like two months up and down the West coast and, uh, spent a lot of time in the PNW and in, in Bigfoot country to and fro. And I was in right over the Washington, Oregon border on the Washington side right up from the Columbia and, uh, going to bed in my tent at night, you know, a couple hundred feet from the PCT at a campground and dead silent in those forests, you know, no wind, nothing like that. And just not quite a human at all. Not quite a bird earth shattering shriek from somewhere in the forest. Just Hmm. like, I like and and you know I I was alone too and I didn't camp many nights alone on the PCT but that night I was alone and it it's I, I've never had anything you know the full body chills down your spine what am I hearing fight or flight hair on the back of your neck stands up and you know immediately trying to explain it and 
kind of like just was like, eh, we'll just call it a bird and go to bed. And like, who <laughs> call knows? Bigfoot, colon, call it a bird and go to bed. That's the t-shirt right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that was probably like the weirdest, weirdest sound I've heard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like it was a real quiet moment too, which is often a precursor to these types of experiences or sightings. They, they, uh, witnesses often report that everything around them just sort of gets real quiet, not even the bugs or the, everything just goes almost an eerie silence, like a, uh, like a bubble has enveloped the space. Uh, did you ever feel anything like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely in that moment, um, yeah. it was just like the, the noise level had been, had been taken out of everything. Um, mm. you know, I, I was with people for the most part on the Pacific crest trail. And like I said, it's a crowded place. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm also so tired at the end of the day that uh, right. I just fall right asleep. <laughs> you slept through all the Bigfoot activity. <laughs> yeah, I slept through. Uh, he could have been out. Man, the like in Oregon, I remember camping by this lake and just hearing like rustling outside of my tent. Like 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 surely there's a bear, right? Like those are like you got to be kind of worried about them messing with you and taking your food and stuff. And like surely there's a bear and this thing's getting so close and it's not scared of me. And it's like making the sound and I look out and it's a deer, of course, like the deer <laughs> are the most right. like annoying thing, uh, on the trail. So I don't, I don't know if I, I remember any like eerie, creepy, everything goes away silence. Sure. Um, except for that, that one night in the Pacific Northwest was truly the quietest I've ever heard that area, which it's interesting. There yeah. you go. You know, it's it's possible if it's that populated, if that trail is that heavily trafficked and there's something out there that doesn't want to be bothered, yeah. it's not going to come anywhere near you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to turn this into a have you ever investigation, but ha- have you ever been out there and heard a like weird knocking noises or like like people hear like what sounds like sticks being clacked together called wood knocks have you heard anything like that yeah and maybe like like (laughs) off in the distance and you're like oh it sounds like someone's taking like a baseball bat to a tree right now or hitting two drumsticks together i don't know there's all kinds of weird stuff like that so i i i don't know if i ever like uh wrote it down like oh significant knocking sound but <laughs> yeah. right, you know right. you, you like you said there's so many hikers out there that they the whatever creature it is might avoid it and also like yes i probably heard something like that and i probably chalked it up to someone doing something weird in the wilderness yeah. right? right so Could that's kind of a tough yeah don't count out humans being weird in any of this stuff <laughs> oh totally totally people ask like what's the scariest part about the pct and like i don't people in town <laughs> people <laughs> like, yeah. yeah uh the people that live in the desert full time <laughs> uh yeah like yeah that sort of thing but stumbling um, onto the wrong farm in humboldt county <laughs> like uh-oh <laughs> right yeah. So, Co- Cody, I'd love to ask what was uh, what was sort of the transformational effect that this that this journey had on you? Yeah i I think it did a lot more than I expected to, but in a, in a different way. Um, I think it really you spend a lot of time with yourself out there, and while there are people and there are friends, you spend the majority of your days hiking eight hours, nine hours in your own company right? 
Um, one, one thing I, I like to say is like, I was stuck with this asshole all the time. Like, uh, this asshole being me, like this is my, who I had to hike with. And so I think it revealed a lot of like my thought patterns and my behavior patterns. Um, but it also taught me to trust myself in a way that, um, I hadn't been able to before because, my decisions and my way of behaving had led me down uh, a path that wasn't in line with how I wanted to live and wasn't in line mm -hmm. with my values and doing the Pacific crest trail said, okay, I can rely on myself. I can rely on my judgment. Like I can keep myself alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I can do a hard thing. I can do a thing that takes a lot of logistics and a lot of life planning and a lot of day to day effort and grit to do, um, and I can trust myself to do it. And the other thing is it totally ruined me forever. Like it's all I want to mm. do is go through hike. Like I'm totally ruined. Like it's, it's like <laughs> when addicted. I got back, yeah, I'm addicted. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Like when I got back, I was a mess. Like it, like the post trail depression is a real thing. And yeah. I, it, mm. it hit me hard and like, I couldn't get out of bed for like two weeks and just like wow. very physical, very palpable, response to it. And I've since like, you know, I moved from Texas to LA. I've, I've, you know, I have a life that I like, but it's like, when can I go again? When can I go? Like, when's it happening? Um, it's like, I, I know for sure it's a thing that gives me a lot of joy and it's kind of hard to do. So it's like something I'm always chasing well, after. The, you know what? Mm -hmm. Keep the podcast going. You'll always have an excuse to find another <laughs> root trail. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I feel like... claim that same thing coming back from the moon. They go into sort of a uh, post-orbital depression. They, you know, once they come back from that sort of liminal space and they and they get back to their their day to day, the world seems busier, more crowded. Uh, uh, less defined. And yeah, they, they experience some of that, that same sort of, uh, after effect as well. I think that's, that's interesting. It's a perspective shift. I imagine yeah. that they see the earth from, from that that's far exactly away right. and yeah. see that they, we all live on a blue dot and not to compare myself to an astronaut, like you would never do that. <laughs> you but, can go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it for you. Well, yeah. The yeah. earth is so big and even just this little corner of the United States, like just the West coast is unimaginably unimaginably beautiful and some of these things that you can only backpack to will change you as a person mm -hmm. walking into the sierra nevada mountains jumping in the alpine lakes knowing that that's out there and then you got to come back and uh file your 1099 you know all that stuff like mm -hmm. um it, it it does you know it people say through hiking will ruin you um, I, yeah, I remember this is years and years and years ago, and you you just um, hesitantly compared yourself to an astronaut. I'm gonna now <laughs> hesitantly compare myself to you. But I was I was shooting. <laughs> I shot something out in the desert for like two months in Morocco, and when I came back to the states, I I first went to New York, and I remember like going from that to. Union, the Union Square Virgin Megastore and walking into the and being like, what the fuck is that? What are we doing? What is all this shit? 
And I, you know, I quickly adapted back to mass consumerism, but like, yeah, I was gonna say you probably what... bought toys and records. No, 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 no this there, is great. There, there was that moment of just like, whoa, we don't need any of this shit, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I've been this whole time thinking, what was the moment when you came back? where it really hit you like, whoa, I'm living disjointedly, or we are as a culture living disjointedly from nature. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't even really when I came back. I, I can give that example, but it happened on trail too, because you go in and out of these towns. And I remember about a month or so in, we went, we stopped in Tehachapi. And the first month, you're pretty out in the wilderness. You're only stopping in small towns. You're You're fully engrossed. And... We went to Tehachapi and I went to a Walmart after being in the wilderness for like a month. And I remember being in the Walmart and just like, I'm going to pass out. Like it, it was just like, so the fluorescent lights, the so many products everywhere. And it's, it's just interesting the effects on the brain when you take yourself out of those environments for so long mm. and you come back and your brain's just not used to the visual stimuli, just the mm-hmm. the sounds and the and the people and and like having to perform the act of shopping. Um, so yeah. even, even like a month into the trail, right? And a month out in the wilderness is is enough, I think, to to instill this effect. But just just going to a Walmart for the first time was like, what what is going on? Um, you know, and I think when I got back, for me, it was like, when I got back, it was to San Antonio, Texas. And um, it's a driving city. And I, I hadn't really driven a car, you know, in a while. And I got back to San Antonio and it could not be, there could not be a place further removed from what we refer to as nature or what I mm-hmm. like to call geography. You know, I grew up deprived of geography. Mm-hmm. So it's really uh, interesting. I've never heard it put that way before, but I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's driving, right? You get back and you, you get on the road and into a car and it's just like, not only are we so disconnected from nature, but we're so disconnected from each other because like the rage you can experience while driving is like, I rarely would feel like that in, Hmm. in a, in a face-to-face encounter with somebody. Um, so just seeing the like vast concrete expanse and like, you know, you can't walk anywhere. You gotta, you gotta drive there. And Mm -hmm. Last thing I'll say about it is on the trail, there's just this palpable sense of humanity helping each other out because there are like trail angels is what they're called. And there are, you know, hikers help each other out. People that don't hike, like bring you food, supplies, water, let you stay overnight at their house. And you really like your faith in humanity is restored and you come back and you think like, well, why can't we just like help each other out day to day? Like, why isn't there like the through hiker app in real life where it's like, but you know, obviously there are other challenges, but it's just that that spirit of community um, was so refreshing to see on trail and really kind of the opposite of what you get when you go back to a major metropolitan area. Hmm. Wow. wow. I'm, I'm worried. I'm looking over at Riley and I'm like, you know what? Next week we're going to show up and Riley's already going to be... <laughs> Yeah, I'm you like, know, can I can I produce halfway to the produce a podcast from the from the trail? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why can't I? That, that and that was a thing too, man. That was like, how yeah. the hell did you pull that off? That's great. Where was the base camp? At least in season one, when like who were people following you? At least town to town, or where where what? How were you sent? Sorry, this is like a little inside baseball, but how are you like sending files I am very to curious, people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I will say that like the the PCT is town to town and there's reception in those towns, obviously. Like you're you're going three to six days at a time before you resupply and gear up. Um so I was recording a lot on um just like a lav mic. Um I was recording a lot of voice memo on my phone and I was recording um I had like one of those Shure mics that plug into the phone. I didn't end up mm-hmm. using it a lot. Um, and I did a lot of video content and it really like, it was just getting what I could, uh, recording as much as possible and trying to still have the experience while producing. Cause that became right. like a huge thing. If I had my way and told the full story, it would be 50% about how creating content about it changed it completely because like you're making these relationships with these people and you're like can i also record you Um, because you're a character in my story um but i would i would get to town i would get signal and i would just dump like voice memos and lav mic files to spoke media producers who would organize it and that's how they're making these episodes and now what i'm working on is the narrative series that comes out later this year where I'm just like, I have this giant audio archive of voicemails and, you know, wave files and, and video. Um, and I'm like using sound design narration and like field audio to craft like a narrative yeah. storytelling podcast. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of so sound great. design, you're uh, just, you know, listening to the, your podcast, the sound of your feet hitting the gravel is so just, <laughs> <clears throat> it's so, um, I don't know. It just gives puts me at peace. Like I love yeah. listening to it. It just makes me feel like I'm right there with you. It's one of those I, sort of things that I really loved about it. I've been listening as I've been going for hikes uh, this week, and like it's the perfect companion if you're just out walking around. So I highly recommend it if you're looking for something to listen to out on your on your hikes. Uh, Cody, all right, we have to. We could talk about this the whole time. We're just sure. gonna have to listen to the podcast. To get these answers, um, but it, w- w- it's time to play a game we play with all of our guests. It's a rapid fire, sort of yes or no kind of deal. I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. If you're open to it, you're going to say believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. There's no in between. You have to make the choice in the moment. We can always circle back and justify things later, but but that's it. We're going to go real quick. This is a okay. game that we call. Bullshit or believe it. All right, Cody, on your mark, get set. Ghosts. Bullshit. Bigfoot. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Mothman. Bullshit. Curses. Bullshit. Possessed dolls. Bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Hollow Earth. Bullshit. There are alien constructs on the moon. Bullshit. Psychic visions. Bullshit. Dreams are really other realities, and when you fall asleep, you visit them. Believe it. Time travel. Uh, Bullshit. Bending spoons with your mind. Bullshit. Entities from other dimensions visit our world. Believe it. Pet sea spirits. Bullshit. Tarot cards. Bullshit. The Loch Ness Monster. Bullshit. The government is hiding the truth about Roswell. Believe it. We are living in a simulation. Believe it. You could outsmart a werewolf. 
bullshit. Planet Earth is a sentient macroorganism. Believe it. The universe is looking out for you. Believe it. Finally, in our original timeline, the famous Bears family last name was spelled Berenstein, not Berenstain. Bullshit. Oh, my God. Honestly, well Cody, that was well one of the done, best Cody. BS or Believe It's I think we've ever done. You nailed oh, it. Oh, man. I, I, oh, I nailed <laughs> you, it on these arguable, highly well, nuanced. No, but just <laughs> going with the flow, finding it in the moment, watching some of the struggle happen in real time yep. was just pushing through. Yeah, wonderful. So I, I say pat ourselves on the back, boys. He's a Believe It on Bigfoot now. I think it was just being nice. But, you know, hey, it's like I, I thought you were going to be skeptical and a lot more. It seems like you're open to a few of this stuff, which is great. Well, believe uh, it was like I'm open to it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, UFOs. We didn't really talk about it. Any, have you ever seen any weird light? I mean, God, you oh, yeah, saw so much night sky out time. there. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I okay. So I actually had a really great night sky moment. Um I was hike, night hiking in Northern California. We we were, um, my hiking partner and I were having to pull like a massive day and uh, we had to hike like well into the night. And I was after this burn section, you know, very densely forested section of Northern California. We're about to get to this giant bridge over this river. We're coming down the switchbacks of this mountain in this like dense forest and night sky is brilliant. And I just see... Uh, you know, you see a lot of shooting stars, you see a lot of satellites, but what I saw was a shooting star type of thing, sort of between a shooting star and a satellite happening over and over and over again from one spot in the sky. Uh, there were, there were probably like 15 of them and it was just like, and it was like, uh, they would just bloop, bloop, bloop one after another, exact same path. I chalked it up to possible Starlink launch or satellite launch where they do mm-hmm. like a bunch of them at once. But um, yeah, and you know, I say believe it on UFO because do I believe there are unidentified flying objects? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, life on other planets or life that visit us visits us is certainly within the realm of, I mean, it's got to be, right? Like just a sheer numbers game. But yeah, but yeah um, I saw yeah. those lights were like, I had no explanation for other than maybe a satellite launch. Love it. Anything else on that list you wanted to circle back to, to well, clarify? You seemed, you seemed open to sort of interdimensionality. We, we got to believe it on that. And also, I think that maybe plays into your believe it on uh, dreams or other realities. Yeah. You you, you, sort of elaborate yeah, you, on that idea. Sure, sure. You made the connection. And uh, so interdimensionality, like, I don't know. I always go back to we don't know what we don't know. And... Mm-hmm. And, and you think of all the work in physics out there that I, you know, am not smart enough to understand, but as mm-hmm. far as, as far as I know, um, the mathematical possibility of other dimensions is, you know, certainly within the realm of things scientists are exploring. Right. So, right. um, and the idea that a creature could exist in another dimension in a way that we couldn't perceive or fathom anytime it comes down to it's beyond human understanding i'm willing to get to 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 get on board like the i've always heard the analogy like the way a 2d creature would see us like it it wouldn't be able to perceive us so how could we perceive something that moves freely within time um Mm -hmm. and so the and then the idea that the dream world is as real as um 
is our world kind of speaks to this idea. I, I Buddhism as a practice is like very important to me. And the, the idea that reality is more of a, an, a mental illusion than anything. So if dreams mm-hmm. are also a mental illusion, Maya. how are they any, how are they any less real? Um, um, you are preaching the BCC gospel right now, Cody. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. We're into beautiful. this shit. I have to it. say, I have to say one thing about tarot cards. I gave it a bullshit because of like the, I don't think they have magic powers, but I, I will concede that they are a framework for self-reflection and a good, a good way to invite someone into your reality and your world and to to examine yourself. We'll just put you down for believe it then. Yep. Yeah. We're going to go back and change that to, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and change your answer. No problem. I was 50. I'm I'm cool with that. I'd be down with that. If that's a believe it, then change me to believe it. Bigfoot Collectors Club is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I've been drinking my AG1 by Athletic Greens every morning, and oh yeah, it makes me feel like I've started my day with a healthy choice for once. I, I get it before I take my coffee, and it makes me feel so good. It's so easy. It's just one scoop of powder mixed with water. Sometimes I do coconut water if I have it handy, uh, just once a day boys i know that you've been drinking your ag1 what do you love about it i like you i love the flavor to me this is a great foundational nutrition drink just to start my day i mean i mean if you want to kick things off right you might as well just go with uh some ag1 that's how i do it so uh i really like this product man i think you guys will too agreed it's like first thing in the morning I, I immediately feel the energy from it i mean this is something that i i truly actually really like this product and i've made it part of my daily ritual yeah i mean why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder in water once a day exactly ag1 was designed with ease in mind so that you can live healthier and better without having to do a lot yeah it also gives you increased energy and mood support making it easy to live your best life not only that i think you guys will really love how they package this product comes in a great container that you can store in the fridge as well as this super convenient and uh, an awesome shaker so uh give them love a, my give shaker them a out. it's in my love it's it. now omnipresent on my kitchen counter that shaker is out and ready to go all the time If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash BCC. That's athleticgreens.com slash BCC. Check it out. All right, rad. All right, well, it's time for this week's Story of High Strangeness. Bryce, you're doing the honors uh, this week. What do you got for us? And more importantly, what do you have for Cody? Yeah, well, I think think you guys will like this. Here we go. I'd like to begin tonight's Story of High Strangeness with a quote. I love suffering. It brings me so close to God. Neem Karoli Baba. You might find this next story of high strangeness a little strange, and not your standard robot alien with carrot hands kind of strange, but a different kind of a strange, more of a, hey man, we're all just one with the universe, man, kind of strange. I'm talking about awakenings. To be more specific, SSAs and SKAs, otherwise known as spontaneous spiritual awakenings and or spontaneous kundalini awakenings. So just what is a spiritual awakening? From the book Varieties of Religious Experiences by William James, quote, 
Spiritual awakening is a term given to describe a subjective experience in which an individual's ego transcends their ordinary finite sense of self to encompass a wider, infinite sense of truth or reality. These deeply embodied noetic experiences are often perceived as a direct connection, communion, or non-dual merging with an unlimited and universal consciousness, the divine or, quote, God in perceived oneness, end quote. During an SSA or spontaneous spiritual awakening, an individual may experience a sudden and profound shift in consciousness with a range of symptoms including heightened sensitivity, increased intuition, a sense of interconnectedness with others and the universe, and a deepening of their spiritual or religious beliefs. They may also feel a sense of disorientation or confusion as their old way of understanding the world no longer seems to fit. These experiences can be triggered by a variety of factors, such as a near-death experience, a profound loss or trauma, intense suffering, meditation, or even just a sudden moment of insight or realization. They can also be powerful catalysts for change and transformation and can offer a profound sense of meaning and purpose, leading some individuals to make significant changes in their lives, such as leaving a job or relationship that no longer serves them, pursuing a new spiritual path, or dedicating themselves to a cause or a mission that aligns with their newfound sense of purpose. It's worth noting that not all spiritual awakenings happen spontaneously, when in fact many individuals around the globe undertake a deliberate and intentional journey of self-discovery and spiritual growth to achieve such awakenings. For those long-time listeners of the show, you probably heard me hinting at some strange experiences that I've had, but I've been reluctant to talk about. This is mostly due to the fact that I was still processing them and was just not comfortable talking about them. Yet, well, I feel the time has come to finally share with you, our dear listeners, some of those experiences I was referring to, because it's my belief that they would be classified as spontaneous spiritual awakenings. Whoa, all right, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt. This is a monumentous occasion, everybody. Mark this one as a milestone episode. Cody, Mm -hmm. we've been trying to get some of the stuff out of him now for uh, four years. No, I cannot believe this is the one I'm here for. Like, I'm like like sitting over here grinning like an idiot. Oh, man, I cannot wait. Well, if you were thinking that I was abducted by Bigfoot, taken aboard his spacecraft, and implanted with his hybrid baby, I'm sorry to disappoint. The main reason... I felt uncomfortable sharing these experiences were because, well, for starters, the first time it happened to me, I was caught completely by surprise and had absolutely no context for or control over the experience. I'd never even heard of the term spontaneous spiritual awakening or kundalini awakening. Also, the experiences left me with a variety of mixed feelings and emotions, shame, confusion, elation, bliss, and even guilt. Who was I to have a spiritual awakening? Why me? Although a quick googs would reveal that I wasn't so alone. According to Pew Research Center survey conducted in 2009, about half of the U.S. public, a staggering 49%, says that they've had a religious or mystical experience, defined as a, quote, moment of sudden religious insight or awakening, end quote. A figure much higher than in surveys conducted in 1976 and 1994, and more than twice as high than a Gallup survey taken in 1962. 
In fact, the 2009 Pew Forum survey finds that religious and mystical experiences are on the rise and more common than ever. However, studies also show that these types of phenomena largely remain private for most experiencers and are seldom discussed publicly. Harvard psychologist William James, an author of the seminal book, Varieties of Religious Experiences, from which I quoted earlier, noted that his colleagues and the medical professionals did not value or respect spiritual awakenings, typically assuming they were crises of puberty and adolescence, hysterical personalities, or acute medical conditions such as epilepsy or schizophrenia. I've also had a lot of time to reflect on my experiences and put them into perspective as well as to try and figure out not only how they might have been triggered, but why, and what would be their significance in my life going forward. Allow me to give you some context. For as long as I can remember, I've been searching for answers to the big life questions that we all contend with. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Growing up with divorced parents standing on opposite sides of the spiritual fence had a profound impact on me. My mother, a devout Christian, my father, a staunch atheist. The tug and pull on my young psyche left me in a spiritual crisis, so to speak. Years later, while as a young man in Hollywood pursuing his dreams, I was suffering through a severe alcohol addiction, a career in turmoil, and I became increasingly worried about a planet in peril. And that's when I had my first spontaneous spiritual awakening. I won't go into all the details because so much of it is just too weird and unexplainable. But the best way I can describe the feeling of it is an exaltation of pure gratitude and bliss for all life, a knowingness at your deepest core level that we are all connected. And I'm not just talking about people, but plants and animals, rocks and rivers, earth, and even the greater cosmos beyond, all a part of that of which just is. In Hinduism, there's a phrase repeated throughout the Upanishads, tat devamasi, thou art that which I think sums it up nicely. You have this unexplainable sense that we're a part of everything, separate from nothing, not even our creator. And as beautiful as that all sounds, it can also be scary as fuck because you have no idea what's happening to you. At least I didn't. For me, as I remember it, it happened gradually over the course of a few days back in 2008. At that time, I was reading a lot of esoteric literature and I had become obsessed with the occult maxim, as above, so below. This idea that the infinite space out there in the ever-expanding universe was also mirrored down here in the smallest unit of measurable matter, the subatomic particle. That it was mostly all, just empty space, including even us. Constantly contemplating and meditating on this idea literally blew my mind wide open into a state of nirvana, which literally means to blow out. Father of microbiology, Louis Pasteur, may have stumbled on the same surprise. To quote him, A bit of science distances one from God, but much science nears one to him. And that's how I felt. There was no way that all of this was just some cosmic accident. It was like I broke through some invisible membrane between matter and spirit. After that, it felt like one synchronicity led to another and to another until finally every waking moment was just one giant synchronicity buzzing in my head. Even time as I knew it simply melted away. The best way I can describe it is likening it to one of those giant coin funnels 
often used for charities, where you drop a coin at the top and watch the coin careen around and around the funnel towards the bottom, picking up speed along the way, until the coin is moving so fast that as it circles near the bottom's horizon, it literally becomes a blur. When it last, plop, it falls into the coin bin below. That's a lot like what it felt like. Only you are the coin. The funnel is a world of synchronicity and connectedness, and the plop is you falling into pure bliss and ecstasy of oneness with the universe. Sounds great, right? Well, it is, until your wife comes home from a hard day of work and you're in the hallway weeping trying to explain to her how beautiful everything is and how it's all just a part of everything else. I mean, you can see my predicament, right? Good luck with that. You see, because in the norms of Western society, awakenings are not supposed to happen. And if they do, they'll likely be explained away in terms of psychopathology. Sure, we built an entire nation on religious principles, all while casually claiming that our creator permeates every facet of our society and all things in it. Hell, it's even brandished right there on the almighty dollar. In God we trust. But heaven forbid you should ever come into direct contact with him or her, or else you're liable to be labeled a heretic, a charlatan, or a psychotic schizophrenic. Whereas in the East, in places like India and elsewhere, these types of experiences are built into the fabric of the culture. Their society has been accepting of and exploring these types of phenomenon for thousands of years. When they see someone on the streets of India caught in the ecstasy of Samadhi or at union with the divine, they're approached with love and reverence and invited into the temple or ashram where they can work through the experience in the presence of other spiritual practitioners. Here in Los Angeles, you're far more likely to find yourself in a different type of temple surrounded by bars and guards, or maybe even worse, padded white walls donning a straitjacket. Better to stay in your apartment. Because while spontaneous spiritual awakenings can be transformative and life-changing, they can also be extremely challenging, even disturbing. For starters, one's individual sense of reality can shift so dramatically it may cause them to feel disconnected from the physical world around them, which can lead to feelings of disorientation and confusion emotional instability, increased vulnerability, as well as alienation from others. Now, not everyone who has an awakening experiences or confronts these dangers. In fact, an overwhelming majority of the people who've claimed to have had these types of experiences find them to be extremely positive and transformative. And so now that you know a little bit about SSAs, or Spontaneous Spiritual Awakenings, let's talk a little bit about SKAs, or Spiritual Kundalini Awakenings, because although very similar, there's some notable and distinct differences. A Spontaneous Kundalini Awakening specifically refers to the awakening of the Kundalini energy, which is to believe to be a coiled serpent at the base of the spine in Hindu and yogic traditions. When this energy is awakened, it's said to move up the spine, activating the chakras and leading to a range of spiritual experiences and insights. Some of the symptoms of a spontaneous kundalini awakening can be very similar to those of a spontaneous spiritual awakening, such as increased sensitivity and a sense of interconnectedness. However, kundalini awakenings can also involve physical sensations, such as tingling, heat, or pressure along the spine, as well as an intense emotional and psychological experiences. Some who claim to have had the experience of an SKA can literally feel the sacred serpent energy rising from their chakras or psychic energy centers until it reaches the forehead where it bursts forth in an energetic explosion. 
It's worth noting that not all spontaneous spiritual awakenings involve kundalini awakening, and not all kundalini awakenings are preceded by a spiritual awakening. However, for those who do experience a spontaneous kundalini awakening, it can be powerful and life-changing experience that leads to greater spiritual understanding. SKAs usually arise from prolonged engagement with religious or spiritual practices, which can include meditation, yoga, tantric sex, pranayama, and connected breathwork, as well as through the use of mind-altering substances, particularly the so-called classic psychedelics, such as psilocybin mushrooms, LSD, ayahuasca, and DMT. In the 1960s, two Harvard professors, Richard Alpert and Timothy Leary, conducted research on the therapeutic effects of psychedelic drugs, assisting the Harvard Divinity School graduate student Walter Pank in his 1962 Good Friday experiment with theology students, the first controlled double-blind study of drugs and the mystical experience. While not illegal at the time, their research was controversial and led to Leary's and Alpert's dismissal from Harvard in 1963, after which Timothy Leary became a well-known figure of the 1960s counterculture, popularizing such catchphrases as turn on, tune in, drop out, set and setting, and think for yourself and question authority. Whereas Richard Alpert traveled to India in 1967, where he met and became a disciple of Hindu guru Neem Karoli Baba, otherwise known as Maharaji, who gave him the name Ram Das, meaning servant of God where he went on to author several books, including Be Here Now, which helped to popularize Eastern spirituality in the West. Besides entheogenic drugs, SSAs and SKAs can also be triggered during sex, contact with nature, or as a result of homeostatic imbalance, stuff like fasting, sleep deprivation, or intense athletic activity, although they appear to most frequently emerge following periods of prolonged psychological turmoil or trauma including loss, bereavement, and addiction. Alcoholics Anonymous was practically founded on a spontaneous spiritual awakening. In December of 1934, when William Wilson was admitted to the town's hospital in Manhattan for a fourth episode of drying out, he was despairing of hope at that point, but later wrote of a transformative experience he had while there, quote, It seemed to me, in my mind's eye, that I was on a mountain and that a wind, not of air, but of spirit, was blowing." End quote. It was a spiritual awakening for Bill, and a dramatic one at that, that would go on to serve as a model for future AA members seeking redemption from their addiction. Now, on an interesting side note, the heightened sensory sensitivities that are commonly associated with SSAs and SKAs may extend to paranormal-like experiences as well with people reporting increased synchronicities, visions of an archetypal or symbolic nature, telepathic experiences, feeling spiritual presences, hearing sounds or voices not produced externally, and seeing things that are not materially present. Which really just adds another complex piece to the already unfinished puzzle of high strangeness, begging the question, could there be a connection between non-ordinary states of consciousness and UFO UAP activity, alien visitations, and Bigfoot sightings? Perhaps so. After a few days of my initial experience, the feeling slowly and gradually faded away, and to be honest, I was kind of glad to see it go. 
I just didn't know what to do with the experience as it had left me with a profound sense of unease about who I was, my place in the universe, and what I was to do with this knowledge. For me, I just wanted things to go back to normal, whatever the hell that meant. And although I no longer doubted the existence of a creator, and I certainly was less afraid of death, as funny as it sounds, I just wanted my life back. Interestingly, I was able to finally quit drinking shortly after that, and it did prove to be a transformative experience for me for the better. But I was also left picking up the pieces of trying to explain what had happened to me, so I pretty much just stuffed it in. I didn't tell any of my friends or family, because what was I going to say? Hey guys, you're not going to believe this, but I had got on the line for a few days. They all would have thought I had just lost my mind. And maybe I did, but I know better. I know what I experienced, and the next time it happened to me, I was going to be ready for it. Or at least so I thought. But that's a story for another day. Whoa. (laughs) Wow, Bryce, thanks for sharing that, man. I mean, that's stuff you haven't shared with Riley or me. Yeah, or hardly anybody, but now the BCC listeners and and, and you, Cody, and, and and anybody else who wants to listen, I you know, it's it it's there now and and maybe it could help somebody who's going through the same thing or who has experienced something similar. Cody, you were <sighs> nodding your head a lot during that story and grinning like did any of that stuff connect with you? Like what, what were the moments you, cause I saw you a couple times being like shaking your head and smiling. What, 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 what the hell is that? Do we have a couple hours? I mean, like, <laughs> uh, we have as man. much time as you, you have I, buddy. I, it, it, I know you got, I, there's the, this information is not out there. So I, I don't think you could have like known to, to tell a story like this for me coming on, but I connected with, I mean, so much of it i could you know from the beginning you quoted neem karoli baba and i'm like here we go i mean <laughs> uh you know ram das and his books and his talks changed my life it was super like incredibly important to me uh, i've had a few moments in my life that i can point to um as as being you know close to if not you know the the experience that you're describing and Mm -hmm. a lot of it does uh also factor into my own personal recovery um so for you to um bring up uh timothy leary ram das and bill uh all in one story i i kind of can't believe i'm sitting here listening to it right now so just thank you one for sharing and i'm just kind of honored and humbled and like a little spooked <laughs> uh, for their synchronicities abound. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds right. like it. Jesus. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, all the head nods were, were just from, um, you know, hearing the, the Richard Alpert and the Neem Karoli Baba and, and Kundalini and, um, just all those things that are, that are very important in my own life as well. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Bryce, can I ask you a question? And again, sure. you know, I, you don't have to, you can get as to as much or a little detail as you want. Um, because you didn't go into too much specific detail about what you personally experienced beyond the obvious emotional mm. impact of what you went through and the results of it. I was curious listening when you were describing some of these effects. And Cody, if you've ever felt any of these things, chime in as well, please. Like, the, did you experience any of those? effects of like the kundalini energy rising up through your spine that physical sensation did you experience 
anything that you would have considered a paranormal experience during during this time? Well, those are two two questions, and I, I can answer yeah. uh, with ease. I do not believe mine was an SKA, uh, a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. I didn't mm-hmm. have that spinal tingling, that sensation going up. Mine just was sort of a gradual slip, and then and then it just right. and then it just sort of hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, my there were some paranormal sort of type events and and associations that I had in that experience in 2008 and you may have picked up on it, but I've, I've, I've had one or two since, and uh, I know someday I'll go into, into those and they become even a little bit more discomforting and even strange. Uh, but that 2008 one was enough to, to, you know, (laughs) I had known. And I think you'd said on the show early on, like that you had had something recently early on in the show, I would say probably, Mm. Around this is my memory serving me 2018, early 2018. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And yeah. so I and you have hinted a little bit here and on the Patreon about stuff like that. Stuff that always felt like to me, Cody, felt like might Bryce, you might have been experienced a sudden flooding of DMT in your brain, sort of naturally getting juiced out of the pineal yeah, gland. Well, that- you know what I mean? Well, and if we, we, we've, we've explored that as a scientific explanation. I mean, the, the pineal gland uh, does produce uh, dimethyltryptamine. Uh, uh, I, I forget the word, but the body produces it in its organs. And, and yeah, you know, dimethyltryptamine. Um, yeah, in his great book, uh, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Strassman. DMT, the uh, spirit molecule. The spirit yeah, molecule. Yeah, he talks go. about that there that sometimes even during sleep there might be micro emissions of DMT to help us enter that dream world. I and who's definitely to feel say like that, I've experienced that. Yeah, and who's to say that you know if, if your body's chemistry is, is a little bit off, uh, whether through God who knows what you're going through, that it couldn't spontaneously emit a full load uh, just to trigger something so dramatic as as an SSA or an SKA, you know. So that that's certainly one theory that I think uh does gel with science. Bryce, and was do you it, feel like the yeah. the the later experiences that you've had are fundamentally different after like all the years of sobriety that you have behind you? Like whereas right. this, this first experience you were describing was coming out of like, you know, a period of heavy alcohol use. Like now that you have all these years of sobriety and then you having similar experiences, are they different in a way or can you speak yeah, to that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The one in the I, so I had one again in 2018, and that was that was probably, if not as heavy, but more heavy. And then hmm. and then and then one even after that, where it wasn't so bad. Having a little bit of context and and sort of knowing how to navigate it a little bit, I was able to sort of ride the wave a little better. Would be a good terminology, but but still, they they. Um, you know, as great as they are, like feeling that, like, I mean, God, I'm sure we've all been on the, on, on ecstasy or had those sort of moments on mushrooms where you're, you know, this isn't like that. This is, it's like that, but, but, uh, but you're not taking those types of, uh, of tryptamines or, or those drugs. So you're going, how the hell is this? Why is this happening? You know, it's very, it's very upending, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know when I, was going through not that experience, but I've said on the show, like there was a period, Cody, you mentioned sleep paralysis and I would have intense sleep paralysis and night terrors and hallucinate at night. You know, 
I, I never felt like I was going crazy, but I was definitely like, okay, something's going on. So I went and spoke to a therapist who was like, you know, I was worried they're going to be like, oh, you're seeing shit. But they were like, oh, no, this is anxiety and this is stress and this is all this stuff. Did mm. you talk to anybody? And I'm interested, if so, what their reaction to this stuff was now 2008 maybe not you said you didn't talk to anybody about no it, i didn't but. talk to anybody for the longest of time after my one in, in in 2018 i did i did look for a therapist and unfortunately most clinicians are not versed in this literature there's not a lot of studies done on it uh there's not a lot of people coming forward about their experiences um so you really it's it's really important i think to find uh the sort of the right therapist, uh, who's not just gonna, um, you know, uh, throw this away as, as a psychological breakdown or an episode of, of a psychotic of break. Only, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of a psychotic break, because I did, I did a lot of research on what that was, what that looked like. And the, and the, um, you know, the signature markers of, of that stuff. And I was, I got really comfortable saying, okay, that's not what I experienced, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's important to find the right kind of guidance. And at the end of the show, I will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give the name of a place that can help uh, people who, who, who are looking for that type of help. All right. I like well, your analogy of the wave a lot, Bryce. Like I, I think about that a lot and I've used that analogy in the past also for like people that are like having like on the edge of a bad trip on psychedelics or something. But it's like with the way like you have to ride the wave. So if like if you don't paddle at all, like the wave mm. will either just smash you or crush you down. Or if you struggle against the wave, then you'll have the same the same result. But if you can if you can balance those two things and just ride on the wave, then you're sort of just like dancing on the edge of life, you know? And I, I Oh my God. Yeah. I just think that's a really uh apt analogy for for what you're talking about it's the the com- like the combination of like effort and also like sort of surrender at the same time acceptance you know? yeah. yeah yeah well and dancing is a great word because you know as 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 sort of scary and traumatizing as it, it can be there's so many wonderful things that can happen during these types of mo- i mean some people call it downloads you get flooded with some information that you just there's no way you would be privy to it feels like a knowledge download from like from God only knows where you're writing stuff down. You're like, holy shit. Like, like, you know, you're getting these insights into, into all kinds of subjects and you're just, you know, you, you really feel like, like the universe is an open book in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's quite, quite, it's, it's a wild ride. That's for damn sure. Cody, <laughs> have you had experience of like, Oh fuck, I just found pure bliss, you know, in, in, in the moments of either recovery or post, I mean, I guess we're, you know, you're always in recovery in some sense, I guess, but like any moments of like bliss or like truth zaps, you know, for lack of a better term that hit you. Absolutely. I, I have to say, I want to add to the list of uh, believe it or bullshit. SSA is believe it, uh, believe it, believe it, <laughs> believe it a hundred percent. Um, I think, you know, something that you'll often hear in uh, recovery groups is like, sometimes it happens quick, sometimes it happens slow. Um, and I think for me, I've, I've really experienced both. Um, I can think to one moment in particular, and, you know, maybe this wasn't the same kind of blissful experience, but I, I don't necessarily know that these always have to be defined by by pure bliss because it, it, it does really stand out to me. And I'll start by saying, I've heard a lot of these these stories, you know, if you think, I think it's a, a Ramana Maharshi has one, Eckhart Tolle has one where they're, they're asking the question of who am I? Who am mm-hmm. I when you remove my arm, my other arm, my legs, my, like all the way down to their psyche, all the way down to their self. 
who am I? And it sends them into what you might describe as an existential panic, but they come out on the other side with sort of this similar type of awakening in, in terms of, um, you know, touching the seat of consciousness, touching reality, being downloaded with information, however you want to put it. And I can remember in a moment that I would consider my, my lowest point, my rock bottom, um, you know, when I was really heavily drinking, um, I had a lot of fear of death. And I remember just one night falling asleep, really truly imagining in a way I hadn't before what it would like, what it would be like to not exist, to, Mm. to die, to, to, to go into the void eternally. And it really, really sent me into a panic. And, um, it, 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 you know, I, I, I got, I came out the other side of it just, you know, wanting answers, but also kind of feeling what it was like to, to give into that. And it sort of set me on a path of, um, I remember I looked up like a lecture on the Tibetan book of the dead and, and started to, and that was, that set me, that was years before I ever actually went into recovery, got sober, but it set me on the path of that eventually led me to Ram Dass that eventually led me to the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh and other spiritual teachers um, that I think, yeah, exactly. Um, Got him right here. Yeah, and and that moment was was truly, I think, my moment of who am I when I am no longer here? <laughs> uh, who am I when when you take everything away? And um, led me. I think you mentioned something in your story, Bryce, about sometimes this leads you down another spiritual path. And certainly that's the one that resonated with me. It was just a spontaneous moment where sort of existence was was put so profoundly into my consciousness that uh, it set me on a new path forever. And, and there have been other moments since then of bliss, of touching reality. Um, I think all sort of... Sp- spiritual <laughs> teachings or, or religions sort of are fingers pointing to the same moon. Sure. And the mm. the moon is often, I think, the answer to the question of who are we? Uh, who are we really? And we're a lot of us are asking that question. And sometimes, you know, the answer is there all the time. It's a matter of how open we are to receive it. And sometimes things just align and they, they it, it happens. Um, and there are, I think, many paths up that mountain and, and, but sometimes it just happens spontaneously. Mm, Um, Wow. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that Bryce and Cody. Thank you for sharing as well. Uh, Cody, this comes to the end of our clubhouse session. We could, I have a feeling we could talk for at least four or five more episodes without needing to take a break. Um, (laughs) But fortunately for our listeners, you have a podcast. So where can people uh, find you, find your work and find the show? Yeah, so through is the podcast T H R U on all platforms, and my socials. Um, I've got a really fun TikTok channel. It's Cody's going through it T H R U, and uh, Instagram is the same thing. Cody's going through it through is with T H R U. Great, we'll tag you in all the stuff. So if you follow us over on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you should, because that's the best way to complete the experience of the show, then you'll be able to find Cody and through very easily over there. So make sure you're following all of that as well. Cody, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a blast. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back at some point. And you know what? 
If you're uh, serious about maybe doing some Bigfoot investigating for us on the side while you're uh, hiking out there, we would not be opposed to it. I, let's get to the let's, bottom of this. Let's go for it. I'll either find Bigfoot or I'll have a spontaneous spiritual uh, experience. So, there you go. You know, you right. you have yeah. the, we know yeah. the term club reporter, but maybe we should change it to club reporter for this. You could be our official club reporter out of I love the it. Field. love it. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, y'all. All right. Well... You don't want to for you you don't want to ever miss an episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club because you never know what sort of truths are going to be revealed like we had on this week's episode Bryce thank you so much for for mm-hmm. sharing to everybody that was really really cool well, Thanks for creating the space man and and you listeners as well I, f- I feel good here <laughs> I feel good to share You putting that out too will like resonate into the universe, you know, rather than just oh. telling it to one person, you're telling yeah. it to everyone. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, also cool. Bryce is like the difference between you and me, Bryce is you will take like years to ruminate and figure it out. Whereas I'll be like, I think an alien visited me in my dreams last <laughs> night. <laughs> I'm like real time sharing shit that That's doesn't add up later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, you can get every episode of BCC by what? following us on uh, Spotify or Apple or your favorite podcast app. Uh, We want to hear from you. So rate and review us while you're there. If you drop us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, we might read it on the show like this one. This is from sun loop all caps. I listen on Spotify is the title. I listen (laughs) on Spotify, but came over here to just say you three are unmistakably the best people to be exploring high strangeness and getting it out to the masses. Awesome podcast. Thank you all. Five stars. Wow. Wow. Thanks, son. That's a twofer. That's a, that's a a both best of both worlds. There you go. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. Uh, Like I said, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on TikTok at BCC pod. I know a lot of you out there have been binging this past spring and you're probably running out of show and wondering, well, fuck, now I just got to wait week to week for this. Guess what? No, because you know what? There's a whole other parallel dimension to Bigfoot Collectors Club. It's called BCC The Other Side. It's our Patreon. We have over... Uh, 215 bonus episodes, and that's not even counting all the cosmic tracks, original soundtracks, scores, and music that Riley's been dropping over there for the past year. So you want to get your butts over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. You know what? Try it out for a month. Nine bucks to yeah. get the whole kit and caboodle. Five uh, five bucks if you just want the three bonus episodes every month. Nine bucks. You can you could probably binge it in that. And then uh, if you love it, stick around for more because... We're we're doing it uh we're doing it every month over there. Yeah, so you'll get access to the whole catalog. You can do a whole other binge. So mm-hmm. check that out. Um and if you do, we're gonna shout your name out. It's time for Patreon shout outs of the week. Riley, you better get ready because your legion is starting to fill out. All right. <laughs> we got Morgan Arnold, Cosmeteer. Thank you, Morgan. Welcome. Of course, this person is a Cosmeteer. Dead Slayer 54, Cosmeteer. Dead Slayer, welcome. <laughs> Linda Witt. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. Jake Leip. Thanks, Jake. Perhaps Lippe. Jake Lippe, just in case. Daniel Cosmeteer. Thank you, Daniel. Welcome. Elise Hawkins. Thanks, Elise. Cassandra Lyons. Thank you. Tyler X. Thank you, Tyler. Joe Weiss. 
Oh, hey, thanks, Joe. And Maya Austin, uh, you guys are our 10 superstars of the week. Thank you, Club Scouts. We give you a five-star salute right back at you. Follow me on Instagram, at McMills. Other than that, I got no plugs this week. Bryce, what do you got? If you or someone you know has experienced a distressing, awakening experience, also known as a spiritual emergency or crisis, and are looking for support and guidance on how to deal with and integrate these experiences into daily life, a great place to start is the Spiritual Emergence Network, which can offer support in a variety of ways. Just go to spiritualemergence.org. Is that you've checked that place out? You what's what, what's only, over there? Only recently, I, uh, I you know I, uh, it, I I didn't use them, but as uh, researching this uh, story of high strangeness for tonight, I came across them, and they have a wonderful cool. uh, community of of clinicians and therapists, all that are part of their network. So, oh, cool! A great place to look if you're if you're looking for. Uh, help in this direction love it all right right on riley what do you got i second that i i don't need to promote my social media today i do that all right meditate. fair enough Great. that's my yeah. shit that's my plug meditate, Go meditate. create <laughs> meditate create <laughs> all right one last thanks to cody uh for joining us that's that's it for this week we'll see you back here uh next wednesday for an all-new episode of bcc until then good night and go get regressed Bigfoot Collectors Club is executive produced by Michael McMillan, Riley Bray, and Bryce Johnson. Our show is engineered, produced, and scored by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters. Follow them on Spotify. Want more BCC? For exclusive full-length episodes every month and total access to the other side, check out patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.